we're getting ready for, for Christmas services, and we've got the choir up here, and it's Sunday morning, because that was our first service was Sunday morning, and um, I've already asked if I can share this story, and I got the okay, so take a deep breath, uh, we're all good. Um, one of the choir members comes up to me and says, hey, Moy, she taps me on the back of my shoulder, and I turn around, I'm like, hey, how you doing? And she's like, um, you're, uh, your socks are showing, and they're white. You should do something about that. And, um, and I look at her, and I'm like, uh, yeah. So I, I'm kind of doing that on purpose. So at Seacoast, traditionally, for Christmas, we, like, dress up. Like, it's been, like, a dress-up thing. And so through the years, we've tried to kind of mellow it down and not make it so much of a show and make it more about worship and, and, and still kind of having fun and the whole deal. So we want to kind of balance that. So, so we, I still kind of did the blazer thing and, I, and the, the dress shirt. But then from here down, it was like all casual. It was like jeans. And I, I bought these black Vans. I'm wearing them right now. And, um, and I, I went online and I did my research. And, um, and I saw that, uh, you know, that like it's a thing. People are doing that. So... I tell her, no, 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 I meant to do that. And she looks at me like so confused. And she's like, you mean like Michael Jackson? <laughs> and I'm like, ouch, okay. Uh, no, I'm like, I went online, I did the research, like I'm trying to be cool. And like, I saw a bunch of kids and like I Googled like how to wear vans and like a suit kind of thing. And then there's a bunch of pictures of kids wearing the jeans with the white socks. And so... Um, so I said, I said, you know, that's what the kids are doing. And she looks at me and she's like, oh, oh, boy. You're not a kid. And she's right. Well, I'm not a kid. And so uh, I know that because I woke up Christmas morning in my house. I, I woke up next to my wife. And... On Christmas morning, we gathered together as a family with my family, and we opened presents, and I, I sat across the living room watching my boys that are not babies anymore, my oldest is 16, realizing, yeah, I'm not a little kid anymore. And you, you would have thought that after all that we went through and all that we did and all that we accomplished and, and just to that moment, that Christmas morning that you get to just finally just relax and take a deep breath and enjoy it because it's a moment you should enjoy that I would have just been there enjoying it. But if I'm completely honest with you guys this morning, I, I had a, a thousand things running through my head. I was everything but enjoying that moment. What's going through my head is, oh, those are great presents. Like, did we pay for them? Do we have to pay for them? Are they paid for? I've got to work harder. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping into 2020. I'm jumping into what needs to happen this next week. I'm a mess. Everything within me is so consumed, so consumed about everything else that I'm failing. And I'm missing out on this beautiful moment. To just take a deep breath, relax, and enjoy the moment, right? Pastor Doyle spoke about that over Christmas. The gift of just slowing down. And I missed it because I'm so worried and trying to, trying to figure it out all myself. And, and as I'm there and I'm looking at my boys and they're hanging, they're, they're hanging out, we're hanging out, 
I'm reminded of when, when Moses first came, when he was born. And uh, he made me dad. And I remember the first day that, that we had him and we held him in our, in our arms, we thought he was just the most beautiful thing. And um, things happen when you, when you come out of the mother's womb. And so poor little Mo, like his head was all like smashed and crooked and but we couldn't see that. Like, we had people come and visit, and, you know, my mom and dad, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, um, Yeah, he looks like both of you, you know? And, like, you could just tell by the expression on their face that they're just like, whoa, what's going on? And sure enough, it all kind of stretched out, and, like, the head did what it needed to do, and he's all looking normal now, 16 years later. But um, in that moment... It wasn't, and, and he had, like, he had all this stuff on his face, and the nurses would come in, and they'd, like, take a rag, and they'd scrub the stuff off, and be like, you're destroying his face, and they'd just laugh at us, um, and, and to us, he was, he was just beautiful, and we see pictures now, and we're like, oh, yeah, wow, what was going on, but in that moment, we just thought it was, it was just beautiful, like, we just, you know, and so any little scream, any little yell, any everything, mom and dad were at his beck and call. Like, there's, there's something about, about being a baby that there's, like, this presumptuous, like, thing that's in us that uh, we just assume as babies that when we scream, we're going to get what we want. If we're hungry, we scream and we get fed. If we need a diaper change, we scream and we get the diaper change. Well, mama doesn't know. I, I, can, I can change the diaper. I can and it's just like a natural assumption that that happens. And so I'm sitting there Christmas morning. I'm looking at my boys. I'm reminded of this. I'm so consumed that I cannot enjoy the moment because I'm so worried about everything else. And then I'm reminded of how simple it is just to be a baby and not have a care. Wouldn't it be so cool if we could continue in life that way? Wouldn't it be so awesome in adulthood, right now where we stand as adults, to just have that mentality, to know that at the end of the day, we just raise our hand, we just ask, we raise a hallelujah, you know, and we get that diaper change or the food that we need or that everything is provided for. Wouldn't it be so cool if that could actually be a thing? And, and this morning, um, what I want to go ahead and, and, and share and, and speak of is that God has a promise so in the scripture, in the word of God, there's a promise that he gives to us that that can actually be a thing. But there's always a but. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to dive into uh, the book of Matthew and read uh, Matthew 6.33. Uh, the book of Matthew is, Matthew's just, just a guy um, that hung out with Jesus and he recorded um, the life of Jesus and even the history and all that, that happened uh, from, from, from the beginning of, of, of uh, Jesus' uh, family and all the way through the generations and how that all began in God's plan. And so that's what, that's what Matthew does. He records that and then he tells us stories, um, even from the, the birth of Christ, right? A lot of the stories that we read uh, during Christmas of, the, of Christ's birth, they come from the Gospels, right? There's, there's four books uh, for those of you who are kind of new to this Jesus thing, um, there's four books that we call the, the, the Gospels, and these are guys that are telling the stories of this man named Jesus. And so um, one of 
Matthew's main points is to explain to us the trueness and the beauty of who Jesus was and his truths, right? And so um, as we dive into Matthew 6 and, and, and we read this, um, here's this promise. There's a promise that, that God gives, but we've got to do this one thing. And if we're willing to do this one thing, then God will promise to take care of us in every which way. So won't you guys read with me here? Matthew 6, 31. And it says like this, like this therefore, do not be anxious. Whew, okay, moi. Do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the world, they seek after all those things. But your heavenly Father, he knows that you need all that. So, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of those things will be added unto you. That's it. If we do this thing, then he's going to take care of us in that way. There's a really cool thing happening here that he describes. He describes what the world does, and he describes what we should do. So there's a difference. This morning, if you call yourself part of the family of God, there's a different standard. And Matthew here is saying, the world does it this way, and they worry. And I'm saying, for the children of God, don't worry. <laughs> you got to do one thing. You got to seek my kingdom, and then I'll give you what you need. Maybe not what you want, but I'll give you what you need. And so... Um, as we, as we dig deeper into this and as we dive into this in this, this, this week, as I really fell short in, in missing that, because I, I fall short of that, if I'm honest with you guys, I want to take control. I want to figure it out. I know for some of us, 2019 probably wasn't the greatest year, and we kind of want to let that go and move forward, and it's consuming us as it's consuming me, and I need to be reminded that the scriptures say that that's what the world does. So I, I wanted to explain this, this whole Gentiles thing uh, this way, right? So for the Gentiles, seek. And notice that like seek, the word seek, he uses the word seek. And then he says, seek ye the kingdom, like seek first the kingdom of God. So there's a correlation there in those two, two in that same word. He uses it for what the world does. The world seeks what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to do it. They're seeking for that. And then he says, no, believers, you seek first the kingdom of God. So there's a, there's a connection there. He uses the same word, and it's to run after. The gr Greek definition of it is to run after. It's almost like, you ever heard the, have, I'm sure you heard the word hustle, right? Run after, hustle. The world hustles after what, what, what they'll drink, what they'll eat, what they're going to wear. And I'm asking you to hustle after the kingdom. So there's, uh, there's this uh, thing on Netflix that Pastor Cody got, got me uh, all addicted to. Um, it's this show called The Movies That Made Us. And um, for those of you who, who don't know anything about this, they literally take like all the movies that like are the best movies that like 
literally, I mean, the title says, they made us, right? So they have infected, they have touched our culture so much that we wouldn't know who we would be if, uh, you know, we'd never seen the movie Dirty Dancing or whatever, right? Or, or, or Home Alone or Die Hard, right, with Bruce Willis or whatever. And so this, this is a behind the scenes. They do a documentary and they tell you all the crazy things that people were willing to do to make these movies happen. Sometimes we just think that, you know, somebody just pulled out a billion bucks and then a movie happened. But as you, as you watch this documentary, you realize that, like, man, some of, some of these stories were written, like, years and years past, and they, they were ideas and concepts for a movie and this and that, and they never really came to fruition unless somebody went out of their way in such a crazy, crazy way to try to get some studio to buy the movie, and they were rejected by all the studios until finally one day one studio took a chance, and they let them do it, but then they went over budget, so they were going to cut it, and then they wanted so-and-so actor to, to, to star in it, but he didn't, so then this one did, and it made it happen, and all the things that could have happened, and we would not have had those movies. I, I begin to think the energy, the hustle, that goes behind the movies that made us. And then I read the scripture where it says, for the Gentiles, they seek after these things. They seek after what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear, what will be the movies that make us. But as believers, God's saying, seek first the kingdom. So as the world hustles there, we are to hustle this way. To, to, to seek after it. And so then the question is to run after, to seek after the kingdom of God. So that takes us to this next place. <laughs> what, what is the kingdom of God? Right? I mean, if, you, if you're walking in here this morning and you're kind of, maybe you went to church as a kid or maybe you didn't or you're trying to figure this out and blah, 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 and you hear us, you know, use these words like the kingdom of God, you know, all these things. You're like, okay, cool. What is that? Is it like, is it a place? Is it a thing? Is it some like mystical whatever? I remember as a kid singing, you know, that, that song, um, seek ye first the kingdom of God, right? And I learned it in Spanish because uh, Spanish is my first language and it, it goes like this. Busca primero el reino de Dios. Always sounds better in Spanish. I don't know why. <laughs> but um, this kingdom thing. So in the book of Matthew, because we're reading out of the book of Matthew, um, Jesus begins to speak, and he begins to speak to, to the people, to the Jewish people. And he uses this term, the kingdom of heaven. So there's, there's, there's three, three of them this morning when it comes to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and then thy kingdom come, right? And so a couple of months ago, Doyle did a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, right? And so we, we learned about how to pray, and this is Jesus coming and saying, hey, when you pray, pray like this. And so then he, he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And, and so for the, for the Jewish people, they would have heard Jesus talking about this and saying, yeah, seek first the kingdom of God. They understand the concept of kingdom of God because they understood from, from the beginning in the book of Genesis where it says that God created the heavens and the earth. You know, he's the God that makes the whole earth spin and float. So the, 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 the Jewish people knew that, that there's a being greater than us who's not human who created us. So the concept of the kingdom of God was not a new concept, but yet... We have the words of Jesus where he says, I came to, not to abolish the law or the Old Testament, all that other stuff, the prophecies and all that stuff. I didn't come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. I came to bring it alive. And so there's this concept of the kingdom of God. And really simple, just in its simplicity, the kingdom of God is where God is king. That's it. There's no magical thing that you have to, there's no study, there's no Hebrew, Greek thing or whatever that you need to magically know. You just need to understand the kingdom of God is where God is king. And so because we fell, because of our sin and because we fell, this world and this earth has been given over to the enemy. And so for some time, God who is king has allowed somebody else to rule. And then... He sends his son, this guy named Jesus, who's God, to save us. And then Jesus says, when we pray, we pray like this. May your kingdom come so, so that we can actually ask God that his kingdom come, and it's here. So then if God is king, he's king over what? He's king over his people. And that's you, and that's me. And we're a family. We're part of the kingdom of God. But seek first the kingdom of God. So that's, you know, when we say it's just kingdom of God, that's what it is. Seek the things of God. Seek the kingdom of God. There's, there's the kingdom of God that was in the beginning. There's the kingdom of God that will be in the end when Jesus comes back. And there's the kingdom of God right now. And there's a battle. So how do you seek first the kingdom of God? Well, there's also in the book of Matthew this thing called the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we do it at CR. We eat, breathe, sleep, and then repeat the Sermon on the Mount, which is the eight principles. And it's, it's God's way of explaining. It's Jesus' way of explaining what heaven is going to be like. It's, it's teaching us what the kingdom of God is going to be like. So, um. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who, who understand that they need God. You heard the, the, the term, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. It's a flip on things. And so for a big part of my life, I remember um, as a kid thinking, Almost of like heaven is like, that's like, that's the finish line, right? We make it there. And so while you're here on earth, you have to be good. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do this. And then once you make it into heaven, then you kind of pretty much get to do whatever you want, right? Almost like, like when you're going to take, take a picture, you know, and you, and you suck in your, your belly, you know, and you're like holding it, you're holding it. And they're like, all right, smile, cheese. And then once the picture's over, you're like, and you let the belly out and the whole deal. It's almost like life is that way. You got to be good. You got to do this. You got to do that. Boom, 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 boom. And then once you get to heaven, you're like, wow, oh, you get to, no. That's the crazy thing is, is the more that I dive into scriptures and the more that I read, 
we are being prepared for the kingdom of heaven. It, it doesn't, we're not just going to get to heaven and sing kumbaya for eternity. We are being transformed into the person that, that God wants us to be. So if you have been a Christian for a week or if you've been a Christian for 53 years, it doesn't matter. We're never going to get it right. But we're always working towards what God is creating us. And for, I don't, for a second, I don't want you to think that I'm saying um, that, uh, that salvation, like I don't want there to be a confusion with, with the salvation. There's, there's a God who gave his son, who died on the cross for your sins and my sins so that we could have eternal life. And he takes all of our hurts, all, all of our hang-ups, all of that pain, and he gives us newness. So for that piece of it, how much does that cost? It's free, right? That's free. So I, 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 would, hate, I would hate for you to, to, to walk out of here this morning and be like, yeah, this guy was like, whatever, the kingdom of God. And like, you got to do this, you got to do that. Whew, man, that's, that's tough. Like, I didn't know, I didn't know. No, salvation is, is easy. Salvation is just walking into God's gift and admitting who you are. But then once you consider yourself a part of the family of God, <laughs> then we, then we got to read what the scriptures say. And it says, therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after those things. But your heavenly Father knows exactly what you need. So here's, here's the promise. See, it's 2 plus 2 equals 4. We learn that in math. It's simple. If you take four, four apples and you, you split them up into two sets of two, two apples and two apples, and then you add those, then you get four apples. If you take two apples and two pens and you add those objects, you end up with how many objects? Four, right? It's always going to be the same way. There's this mathematical equation here that God is giving to us. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. So you're tracking with me. Okay. What else? How do you seek the kingdom? What do you do when you're part of the kingdom? So we're like, all right, you, I understand. Salvation is free, but I'm, I'm, I'm figuring out who I'm going to be. I'm, okay, so now we build the kingdom. We build the kingdom. How do we build the kingdom? We build the kingdom by adding more people to the kingdom. See, there's, there's a lot of God's family that's out there that doesn't know it, right? And so this morning, again, I want to give a, like a practical, simple way to be able to do this. And I'm a firm believer, okay, that Jesus uses tacos to save people, okay? Track with me. Here's where I'm going, okay? Some people have the gift of evangelism. They have the gift to come up to a total random stranger, begin to talk about Jesus, convince them, win an argument, whatever it is, and boom, 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 I got you. And then all of a sudden, they're saved. And that's, that's awesome. If you have that gift, man, I don't want to stomp on it. That's amazing. But to be truthful, man, like, that's not everybody can do that. You know, so does that disqualify us? It shouldn't. 
Because we still have something God has called us to do. We're supposed to seek first his kingdom, and we're supposed to be about his business. And can you imagine, you know, a life without home alone, right? But that's for the world, and that's the crazy things those people did to make that movie happen. We're supposed to hustle for God that way. So God calls us to be fishers of men, and I happen to know the best fish tacos in town. Well, on the other side of the town. You're going to be okay. It's going to be all right. It's this place called Taconazo. That's, that's the best fish taco you can get if you're not going to drive all the way to Baja. But, but listen, listen, listen. So for the rest of us, this is how we can do it, okay? You buy somebody, you buy somebody food. You take them out to a meal. And, and during that meal, okay, you don't go in for the hook or whatever. No, you just begin to talk about what God is doing in your life. And not even weird or whatever, just be like, you know what, the other week, man, I was hanging out and we were singing, you know, because we sing at church and stuff. And well, I don't really sing, you know, but I just kind of read the words, whatever it is you need to say. Um, and I was listening to, to in, 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 in worship and the words, and it just, I had this moment where like, I felt like, I felt God. Like I just felt it. And then to go back to your regular conversation, <laughs> you know, that's it, boom, let's have another taco. And then take them out again and say, you know what, the other week we're hanging out, man, and like the, the pastor was saying this and that, man, and it really touched me. Man, I guarantee you after a couple meals, that person's going to be like, what, where, how, huh? Then you bring them here. We all can do that. We all can do that. There is, um, there's uh, this idea that if you do this, life is going to be perfect. And that's not what I'm saying this morning either. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added. But it doesn't say, do this and your life will be perfect. For some of us, 2019 was not perfect and we're so ready to be done with it. We're so ready to forget 2019 and move forward. And there's plenty of stories in the Bible, right? There's this paradoxical question. It leads us to this paradoxical question. You know, what about, what about, uh, what about Job? You know, what about, uh, what about Daniel? What about Ezekiel or Paul even? You know, who went through so much pain. Like, so Moy, what you're saying is that if I do this, my life's going to be perfect. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we need to read the scriptures in their, in their fullness. And that we need to understand that God's promises are God's promises. And they, they will never, ever, ever not be true. So this doesn't make Jesus a liar. This doesn't make the scriptures not true. We need to, we need to understand that in God's timing, his promises will come. But this is a promise that God gives. There's a story I want to share with you guys. I grew up in a little town in Wilmington. You guys ever heard of that? Oh, all right, cool. Give it up. All the other services, they were like, I said Wilmington, and people were like, oh, no. Anyway, um, my, 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 my dad pastors uh, a, little, a little Spanish uh, church in the city of Wilmington, and um, I grew up, I grew up there, Spanish is my first language, and um, 
in small churches, you, when you do camp, you do it's different than like the big churches. So like in some churches, like they have a category for everyone to go to camp. Like they have like women's retreat and men's retreat and couples retreats and older couples retreats. And if if you've got toe fungus and like brown hair um, and a mole on your nose, we have a retreat for you. And it's like a retreat for everybody, right? And so back in the day, uh, we didn't have that luxury. Um, People couldn't take that time off of work anyway, and uh, you just do this thing called family camp. It's just one week, everybody gets crammed into this place, you know, you worship together, you eat together, you do everything together, and for the kids, it kind of sucks, you know, because you're just hanging out with your parents for the whole week, but we find a way to have fun and do all that stuff. So anyway, we, we do this thing uh, called family camp, and in Spanish, it's called campamento. So that was like the craze. Everybody was like so excited about campamento, like you know, family, campamento, and this and that. And so we were excited. And uh, the day before we, um, the day before we were, we were going to camp, my dad had to collect uh, all of the campamento money so that when we went up to camp that day, then he could deliver the cost of the camp. And so um, we all got in the car, and we were kind of driving around town and towns, um, collecting, collecting money and saying hi to people and co- collecting the money. And so we end, up, we end up in the town of Compton, in Spanish, Compton. <laughs> and um, we run out of gas. And my mom had kept telling my dad, hey, you got to pump, you got to pump. And I was like, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. And so we end up running out of gas and literally being able to kind of make it just to, like, the parking lot. And so we landed in the parking lot on Rosecrans, some, somewhere, Rosecrans and, and, and Central, I think, is what Alan was, one of our worship leaders, lives right around the corner from there. So um, my dad gets out of the car, and he's like, all right, girls, which is my mom and my sister, you guys go to the store, which was... I don't know if you guys remember the story, but it was Newberries. It was the Newberries. That's how I know I'm not a kid anymore. Um, so back in the 1900s, kids, there's these stores called Newberries, kind of like CVS or Walgreens or whatever. And uh, he's like, all right, the girls go shopping, and then the men will uh, we'll go, go take care of this gas thing, right? So me and my dad, that meant me and my dad, um, we walked about a mile and a half over to a gas station, and um, on, on our way there, my dad starts to, like, you know, do this, his dad thing that, that he would always do. And he'd be like, you know, Moy, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a teaching moment. And uh, he's like, have you ever thought of uh, what would happened, happen if, uh, if we were being followed and something happened? Have you, have you thought about a plan of what you would do? You know, he's kind of walking me through this. And the whole time I'm, like, listening to him and, like, I don't know what it is. It's something about, like, Mexican dads. They love to scare their kids. Um, I remember getting picked up in, like, the second grade or third grade from school. And, and I'd get in the car and my dad was, like, holding the steering wheel. And he'd be like, I am not your dad. I'm wearing a mask that looks like your dad. And we're driving to Vegas right now. You know, and so we'd all start crying. You know, and he'd be like, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And so... Like, that was cool, right? I mean, people wonder why I go to CR. That's why I go to CR. <sighs> so we're, we're, we're walking, and uh, he's walking me through this, and I'm like, all right, yeah, whatever, Dad, whatever, Dad, whatever. And, and, um, and we make it to the gas station, and he, we buy a little gas can, a uh, $5, five, five-gallon gas tank or whatever. We fill it. 
he's teaching me how to fill it more. When this happens, this is what you do, you know. And, and it's all kind of like really cool, like kid father lessons moments. <clears throat> and so um, we begin to walk back. And sure enough, on the way back, um, as we were crossing, we're walking the street, we're crossing, we're walking through, and there's an alleyway. These two big dudes come out. And one of them grabs me, and the other one pulls a knife and wraps it around my dad's neck. And I'll never forget the words that he said. He said, your money or your life. And my dad had, had about $10,000 worth of campamento money in his inner pocket. And I don't know if it was my amazing ninja skills or the guy just had pity over me. But um, I, did, I did one of these moves or whatever, boom, like that, and just kind of probably didn't look as cool as that was right now. And somehow I was able to, to, to break away. And so now I'm looking at my dad, and he's screaming at me, going, go, go. And he's looking at me like we just talked about this. Like we, I just told you there was a plan. This is what we were going to do. And I'm, I'm, I'm standing there, and I'm going, yeah, we talked about this, but I, there's no way I don't want to leave my dad. I'm not going to leave my dad. I don't want to leave right now. And so what seemed like a moment of eternity, which was probably like a half a second, I'm like torn, and I've got to make this decision. And fear, is it, is it, that's an emotion, and fear is consuming me in that moment, and I don't know what to do. I know what I have to do. I know what I don't want to do. And so all of a sudden, I just I make a decision, and I just start running. I start running, and I run, I run, I run. I make it, make it to the store. I grab a hold of a security guard. I tell the security guard what had happened. I grab my mom, my sister. The security guard grabs us. We jump into the security guard's, uh, guard's car, and we drive down the street as he's calling the cops. And traffic kind of slowed. And we're like, that, that's, that's weird. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere in the distance, we see this like crazy person. And they're just jumping up and down in the middle of the street. And they're stopping traffic. And so we, we kept driving, we kept driving. And as we get closer and closer and closer, we finally get to the point where I can see that it's my dad. And so somehow he had loosened the gas tank and like threatened to like dump gas on these guys. They freaked out a bit, and then he jumped onto the street and started stopping traffic and dancing like a crazy person to, uh, to get everybody's attention. And, um, and so in that moment, I was like, whew, like all the things that were going through my head. You know, I didn't want to lose my dad. I didn't know what had happened and the whole deal, and it was like this, this awesome, like, okay, he's alive. He's crazy, kind of brilliant, you know, dive into the street, make a scene, get everybody to stop, and then these guys get scared, and he's alive. We were hanging out this Christmas, and my dad and family, we were talking about that experience, and my dad, my dad said these words, and I, I thought, man, they were so powerful. We're just talking about it, making fun of it, and whatever, don't run out of, run, don't run out of gas, and blah, 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 all these things, and, and he says, it just stops for a second. And he looks at me, and, and he had this idea, this thought, and he says, man, isn't it so interesting and awesome how throughout all of our lives, 
God has taken care of us. He's protected us. He's like, I often sit and think about that moment and how that scenario could have been different. If I had gotten out of the car and just decided, you know what? I got this. All of you guys go to the store. No, nobody would have come to help. Or if I had said, you know what? We're all taking a trip. Family, come. We're all going. How the guys would have responded to a family like that and what could have happened. All these scenarios. And yet, I see God's hand taking care of us. So my dad gets it because I'm sitting there Christmas morning and I'm so deep into myself that I can't even enjoy the moment where God is taking care of us, where I'm in my house with my wife, with my kids, and I'm missing it. And Matthew, this guy Matthew, reminds me, hey, Moy, therefore don't be anxious by saying, what, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For <laughs> That's the stuff of Gentiles. See, your father, he knows what you need. And you can get all that, but, but, First, seek his kingdom, the kingdom of God, the place where God is king. Be about his business. Consider yourself not just a nine-to-five employee. Consider yourself not just a, a volunteer that God asked to do something. So somebody asked you to help and to greet or to drive cars or to help with kids, and you're like, okay, well, because they asked me. No, consider yourself an owner of the kingdom because you are a child of God and seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. There's a, a scripture I want to close with. I'm running out of time here. I was so worried last night I wasn't going to make it. I told the, van, the, the band that they might have to come up and we'll do worship if I ended too early, but uh, I think I'm doing okay. Um, there's a scripture in Isaiah and I just want to leave you guys with this. This morning, uh, God is doing a powerful thing. And I get, like I said, if you're just hopping in here for the first time, trying to figure out this whole church thing, um, or if you've been here for years, God wants to remind us that if we focus on him, he's going to take care of us. And, and, and that, that, was the, that was Matthew, New Testament. And this is Old Testament. So God's been at this for a while. It says, therefore, do, uh, sorry, uh, here we go. It says, fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hands. What does that mean? That means that God's, no matter where you're at right now, God's holding you. He's got his arms and his hands wrapped around you. And he made you a promise. You just got to keep your end of the deal. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you that you don't give up on us. And Father, I pray if there's someone here this morning um, that's trying to, trying to figure out who you are uh, or what's going on, Father, I ask that, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, um, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you, would, that you would fill them, that they would feel you, that they would know who you are, and that, 
we know that you're the one who changes people's lives. You're the one that makes a difference. And so, Father, allow us just to be about your business. Allow us to run after and to seek after the things of your kingdom, knowing that you will take care of us in your time. We love you, Father. We thank you. We thank you for this year, no matter how bad or good it's been. And we have to let go of certain things, fear, anxiety, worry, whatever it is. Give us the strength to let go of those things so that we could run after, seek after you. We love you. We thank you. And all of God's people said, amen.